Hi everyone, I'm Lacey. I'm Bailey. And I'm Drew. And we're sarcastic, so let's get sinister. everybody happy birthday Lacey oh. Oh, thank you <laughs> oh, happy birthday Lacey <laughs> it was awkward. it's not even here's the thing it's not even technically it's not even her birthday yet this episode will come out on her birthday but technically exactly. it's, it's our brother's birthday Bailey yeah happy birthday Adam you want to hear my awesome segue yeah. So much. Okay. The one that we just ruined. No, no, no. Oh, okay, okay. Ready? So, mm-hmm. say the thing you just said again. Happy birthday, Adam. Yeah, happy birthday, Adam. Hey, speaking of Adam, doesn't Lori Vallow have a brother named Adam? <laughs> she does indeed. Oh boy! Good was job he bringing the bad him one or the good one? He was the good one. Oh, can you tell us more? I can tell you more about the whole crew today. Wonderful. This is a great segue. We're very cheerful. Thank you. It's going to get so dark today. (laughs) Drew, did you want to touch base on your true crime stuff again? Yeah, we can jump back into the segue later. We'll do the segue again later. Um, But I wanted to tell you guys some true crime stuff. Um, I, I have... A couple things, but I'm, I'm just going to be quick about it because it, I don't want to take too long. Because I have a feeling in my gut that Lacey has a lot to tell us. I have quite a story for you. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the first thing happened at the beginning of this month. That's not true. The beginning of July. <laughs> um, Bryce Cable... <laughs> Bryce Caleb Timothy Brown who's 20, of Waldorf, Maryland, broke into a Lowe's store a bit before 1am. He stole a forklift and then drove it to the parking lot of a Home Depot. Oh, interesting choice. Once at that parking lot, he drove the forklift into a parked car where Gloristein Pinkney, who was 73, was sleeping. She was sleeping in her car. Oh, no. Once he drove the forklift into the car, she woke up and tried to run away, but then he ran her over and killed her. Oh, my God. And he parked the forklift on top of her, got out, took her car, and fled the scene. He He was arrested later that night because police found her car in front of his house. Oh, so he was smart, too. Yes. Well. I mean, he stole the forklift from Lowe's. A different store. Yes. So. What did he, why? They found no evidence that um, he knew the victim. So, so they have no idea. Her. He was like, I'm going to ram this. And then when she got out, he was like, I'm going to run her down. Well, so maybe, maybe he was like, he took it from Lowe's because he was like, I'm tired of walking. <laughs> I'm just going to try and drive home. And then he realized that forklifts aren't that fast. So he's like, I need a car. Maybe not. 
But uh, yeah, it's such a bizarre story. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Then, are you guys? Did you hear about um Taylor Shabusiness? That sounds like no. a fake name. Yeah, it sounds. It's like um from It's Always Sunny, Sha Dynasty, but Shabusiness. Um, the trial. Her trial was left. Uh, at the end of July. Oh, ba- that's her cup. I thought Bailey was like breathing into her mic. Don't you think you would have heard it? I was. That's why I paused. I was like, "Why? What is happening?" Um, she was Taylor was the one who, uh, in February of 2022, she was arrested by Green Bay PD for the murder of her boyfriend Shad Therian. Um, Taylor. Well, she's not allegedly anymore because the jury came back, but she cut off his head, sexually assaulted him, and then dismembered the body. And his mom was the one who found his head in a bucket, along with um, body fluid, two knives, and a male organ. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, she found it in the bucket because it was in her basement. Well, where else do you put body parts? I mean, where else do you dismember... Your boyfriend, other than... What are you going to use? Tupperware? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You don't want to seal in the freshness? No, I want a bucket. Well, so, what... The reason why she left the head is because... I think, like, her plan, she later told police, was to, like, scatter his body parts around. But she, like, forgot a bunch of the body parts. Wow. I think I think she only managed to scatter like his legs. <laughs> you know, when you dismember someone, there's a fun. lot of pieces. It's there's a lot going on. It's hard I to mean, remember if you can't to grab handle, everybody. Listen, Bailey. This I think you'll relate to. If you can't handle a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, go for something smaller. That's true. She you was get, the one you who could cut jump him piece puzzle. Yeah, she didn't have to do so many pieces. I'm doing it 225. You know, sometimes sometimes we say stuff and I'm like, is this too sarcastic? I don't think so. Are we crossing a line here? I just want to say it so that we acknowledge, that I acknowledge the viewers know that I'm uncomfortable (laughs) with our level of crassness. Notice I haven't said much. Uh, I'm nervous. I'm not uncomfortable, but <laughs> these are the jokes I make at work to get by. So. Okay. There you go. This is how Bailey copes, everybody. <laughs> That's how I cope, too. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so, anyway, Taylor said that she blacked out uh, due to methamphetamine. Mm. I wanted to say that because that's Lou's, like, favorite word. He loves saying methamphetamine. Yeah? I, I like barbiturate. I think I like saying that word. You know what word I like? Hmm. Uh, zygote. <sighs> Lacey, any good words? Plethora. Ew. I knew that. I knew you liked Plethora. that. I don't know I if I can that. say that word. You can Plethora. say it. Pleth. Pleth. Ora. Ora. Plethora. Oh, it's nice, it right? Feels, it feels wrong in my mouth. Plethora. My tongue's doing a thing. It is. Plethora. Oh, well, that's not it. <laughs> That's all right. You can have zygote. Thanks. <laughs> um. Anyway, she was she blacked out while on meth, 
Um, they were engaging in some sexual activity. And she started choking him. And then she said that she really enjoyed the feeling of choking him. So she just, like, didn't stop. I feel like most, a lot of killers could say that. They're like, I really enjoy the feeling of stabbing him. So I did not stop. Yeah. It was not a good defense. <laughs> um, If she blacked out, how does she remember, like, re- like the liking the feeling of strangling him? Um. I'm just confused. So, you know how, like, when you're in, a, like, a dark room sure. and your I eyes start... You, no. Oh. And your eyes start to adjust? Sure. Same thing. So what? then... <laughs> so, so, she, so she was um, charged with first-degree intentional homicide, mutilating a corpse, and third-degree sexual assault. And... She was found guilty on all charges on July 26, 2023, after less than an hour of deliberation. I don't blame them. Yes, her defense argued that she had difficulties as a child and didn't receive the help that she needed. How old was she? I don't I don't know for sure, but okay. I want to say young 20s. But they th- and they they think that that how, the stuff that she didn't get help with as a child just started to manifest as this giant situation now. She's uh, twenty five. Oh, okay. I mean, did you have you seen a picture of her? No. She looks honestly cuckoo bananas. Ooh. Here now I'm gonna Google her. No, no, no. I got you. Okay. Can you see it? Yeah. Right here. I'm a little disappointed after your cuckoo bananas description. I yeah. thought she was crazy. crazy. What are you talking about? Wait, I, go back up to her. She oh. looks pretty normal. This one, she looks good. Mm-hmm. She looks like. I mean, she has kind mm-hmm. of a creepy smile on that one. I'll give you that. She looks like. <laughs> she looks her. She looks like her voice sounds like. <laughs> I liked choking him. <laughs> on meth. Oh, and here's Ooh. that video of her attacking her defense. She attacked her own lawyer? Yeah, that was her own lawyer. Silly. But, um... I wanna I wanna be a courtroom officer and just have to, like, wrestle defendants. I like that, uh... I don't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I like that the, the defense attorney just, like, threw her away from him and was like, get out of here. Yeah. Anyway, after she was... After she was found guilty on all charges by the jury, she went to a second trial to determine if she was mentally ill at the time of the crime, and they determined that she was not. So she's going to go to prison instead of an institution. Boom. Roasted. Yes. So, um, that's what I have. I think Bailey was trying to tell me something earlier, and I told her to knock it off. Yeah, um... I'm mean, gonna be honest. I haven't really looked into the case, but um, two of my coworkers are saying that they, uh, uh, Long Island, just got a serial killer caught. Um, and I saw, like, I like skimmed a few articles. He was leaving bodies on one of the beaches, like in bushes, and Jeez. I think it looked like he was doing it for like a few years, actually. Wow. Um, but they were like, you should do it and i was trying to explain to them that like well first off we have a schedule we try to keep to 
Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, we'll have to just keep an eye out for, like, when he goes to trial and stuff. and More information. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I doubt that they have outputted a lot of the information now. But yeah. we'll see. And even if even if they have a lot of it, they're not going to... We were... They're not going to tell the public until after he's gone to trial. Yeah. yeah, and that, like, I figured, like, when the court case, like, goes to trial, we'll get so much more information through that exactly. that yeah. we'll be able to talk about it, make comments if we want, or even just share it, like, you did your true crime today, but, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um. So, anyone have anything else, or are we ready for my fantastic segue? segue away hold on wait let me think about it let me let me mentally prepare for this segue because you build it up like it's amazing yeah it's a really good one okay i'm ready okay so um just a quick shout out happy birthday adam our brother adam turned 33 today um speaking of adam uh doesn't Lori Vallow have a brother named adam she does (gasps) oh So nice of you to bring that up. Yes. Can you tell us more? I can. I'll tell you about a bunch of people today. Awesome. Including Adam. Great. All right. So I'm going to say going into today's episode, um, we had planned on wrapping this up in three parts, today being the final part. And there's a lot of information to cover. So going to do our best to get through it today. But this might end up being split into a part three and four. (gasps) We'll see what happens. Uh, When I left you guys last week, I told you about Lori's life the week before and Jade's... Mm -mm. Chad's life. Who's Jade? That's Chad Daybell somehow combined. Oh! Yeah. Um, Told you about Chad last week. And when I left off, Chad was going to be a guest speaker at a Preparing a People conference in October 2018 that Lori was also heading to because she knew he was going to be speaking there. So that's where we're picking up here. So we are in the last weekend of October 2018 at a preparing conference speaker. Chad is a speaker there. Lori is a guest of the conference. On Friday night, Chad was doing was signing books after he spoke, sitting at a table doing a book signing. Lori approached him for the first time and said she had read all of his books. Melanie Gibb, who was there with Lori, said that it was like a lightning bolt struck them. They just stared at each other for a minute and then started sharing all of these experiences and beliefs and having a very deep conversation kind of right out the gate. Chad actually told Lori. Yes, Bailey. Was it like a Nicholas Sparks book? So romantic. Such Mm -hmm. a meet cute. Yeah. Yeah. Chad told Lori during their first meeting that they had been married seven times in previous lives and that she was one of the chosen ones. You may remember he's also told other women that they were married previously. But, you know, new girl, new thing. Is it it Mormons that have multiple wives? Is that Mm -hmm. that what that is? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, Chad doesn't, like, not all Mormons do. Uh, Mm -hmm. And one of Chad's, like, in-house talks he was having with people, he was talking about polygamy, was making some people uncomfortable because where they were, I guess, maybe their particular church, I don't know, just their area, polygamy wasn't a big deal. And he's only married to Tammy. Um, But yes, Mormons do sometimes have multiple wives. True. In regards to his awesome pickup line, um, (laughs) I mean, if if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, you know, it's working for him. It, yeah. It, yeah, if it, I mean, women like Chad. 
You know what? For, for any listeners right now on Tinder, use that pickup line. See how well it works. Yeah. We've All been married women. multiple times in the past. So uh, you don't so like for the Chad? rest of for the rest of the conference, the rest of that weekend, they were pretty much inseparable. Chad told Lori that only he could reveal her secret spiritual powers. He also told her that he could tell if people were light or dark spirits. We saw him doing that previously and she asked him if he would tell her who in her life was light spirits and dark spirits and he said yes he would give that information to her the whole way home she talked about him to melanie gibb told him that she was attracted to him on a spiritual level it sounds like a long drive yeah (laughs) just listening to your friend your married friend babble on about this guy she just met he's married too at this point still right yeah yep he's married to tammy his kids are older than um than Lori's kids. His kids are young adults, maybe late teen young adults, but they're pretty much grown at this point. So Chad uses his owl necklace to do a spirit analysis of Lori's family. So I had sent you guys a picture um, of this, like a rubric that he used. And it looks a little bit weird because you'll see people's names with numbers and letters next to them. And it'll say something like Lori was a 4.3 L meaning she was a 4.3 light spirit. Um, And then you'll see some people have a D like, hold on. Tylee was 4.1 D, meaning 4.1 dark spirit. So he completely made this up, this whole rubric. And you want to picture it like a number line where light is positive and dark is negative. So like 4.3 light, which is what Lori was, is the highest light spirit you could be, except for Chad. Chad was perfect. And then it goes kind of down. So like a one light is still good, but not as good as a four. And then the opposite way, like you're going negative. So like a one dark spirit is not good, but a four dark spirit would be worse. So Tylee is looking pretty bad already on this ranking here. Drew? How, so did like, did Lori just send him like a class list style roster of her family (laughs) in her life? And I don't know. It just like, said that she asked him to like analyze her family, and he sent her this. But she must have told him like these are the people in my family that I want and, analyzed. True, and he's you, perfect. He just knows. But yeah. he like, but like in reality, he she sent him like her family tree, and he just was like fucking around. Like, do you think yeah. he was like? Do you think he asked any kind of follow up questions? I think he did because didn't he give Charles a bad score? Well, Charles here actually was a light spirit. Later, it'll change. Because you can change from light to dark or dark to light. But originally here, Charles is a three light. And he also put in parentheses 1700s London, meaning that he was reincarnated. Um, so from 100% was just rolling the dice and giving them just whatever. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if Chad believed what he was doing at this point or if he knew it was a sham. But um, we saw earlier when we were talking about Chad that he used to do this owl thing for people, but he would like research their families and stuff ahead of time. Like he went into it. He treated it like like a scam, like he would research them, learn all about them and then go in as if he didn't know anything and be able to guess stuff about them. So I wouldn't be surprised if he did some detailed research on her and her family before sending her this bailey but um does just does anyone punch chad in the face at all i don't think so oh okay yeah yeah. i'm sorry damn it i don't understand like because it's 
why why all the negativity towards Tylee? Drew, you know what? You don't need to understand. Chad knows. We follow just, Chad It just seems blindly. really... Like, because she... From what I understand, she was, like, on board for making her mom happy. So wouldn't she mm-hmm. be, like, wouldn't he want to cast... Wouldn't he be like, oh, she's good. She's fine. Well, I will say that um, an argument of the prosecution... Now, Chad's trial hasn't actually started yet. But one argument that the prosecution has made is that Chad wanted basically a fresh start with Lori. And in order to do that, needed to get rid of her kids. So he could start fresh with just the two of them. Okay. Okay, so that was... That's a theory. That was, like, less about getting this person out of her life and more about getting it out of his life. Yes. Okay. Getting them out of the way. Yeah. So, um, the book interviewed a guy named Rick Ross who is a cult expert, not rapper Rick Ross, um, two different people. And he said mm-hmm. that Chad used this whole light and dark thing to brainwash Lori, to start like actively brainwashing her. And he called it thought reform, which is brainwashing that's been used by a lot of cult leaders over time. And even people like Hitler have used this to influence the way that the people who follow them think about things. Um, Rick Ross is one of the people who believes that Chad saw Lori as a way out of his life which he had grown dissatisfied with and that by sorting people into these light and dark, it was a way to make them not really human. Because if you could say, well, this person is a dark spirit, it makes them subhuman and a little bit easier to think of a way to get rid of them. Was was he so dissatisfied with his life because his wife was constantly playing that video game? Frontierville? I think so. I think she was... I think then all his actions are completely warranted then. Yeah, well, she, I mean, you know, that I was don't blame her, her for needing an escape from him. God wanted her to stop playing the game, though. So did her dead grandma. So, who's the real, who's the real villain in this story, Bailey? Not Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Disobeying um, the word of God? What? Chad... Chad emailed this list, this rubric, to Lori on October 30th, so the very end of October. Um, Chad and Lori also bought burner phones. And if you guys remember, Lori would do that nightly dancing to religious music in front of mirrors in her house. I wiggled when I said it. Wanted to show you guys. She started taking videos of this and sending them to Chad. Now, she emailed the videos to Chad, which I think is a little goofy, because you went out of your way to get a burner phone, and then we're sending emails but that's none of my business maybe um, maybe the video was too long and the, the oh, thing was too point. big yeah and obviously you can't not send the video i mean ugh, come on lazy yeah. and november you can't, cut, you can't cut any of the pieces out yeah you gotta send the full thing yeah for a full critique on november 15th chad who remember chad is living in idaho and Lori is living in Arizona right now. So November 15th, Chad heads to Lori's house the day before a preparing a people conference in Mesa, Arizona. Charles and the kids were going to be out of town for a couple days. The next night after the conference, about 30 people gathered at Lori's house and they split into groups to kind of talk about what they learned at the conference to have these spiritual conversations. 
Chad told his group that there were mysteries of God that only he knew had only been revealed to him. And he used his owl necklace to tell people which biblical people they had been in past lives. He said that he had been both Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, and Methuselah, who is the oldest person in the Bible. And he and Melanie Gibb and Lori had known each other in several of their past lives. The next morning, Chad and Lori went for a long walk, holding hands. And he informed Lori that the two of them were going to lead the 144,000. So in one version of the end times, 144,000 people are get to survive, essentially, the end times and rebuild a new world. And he told Lori that the two of them were going to lead these people in rebuilding a new world order. You said 144,000? Mm-hmm. That's such a weird number. Yeah, there's probably reasons. Okay. Um, now that she's met Chad, Lori's attitude toward her husband changes. We already saw that there was some tension building, but it gets a lot more obvious now. Melanie Gibb noticed on her visits, visits to the house that Lori is always upset with Charles, and Charles seems very frustrated. He confided in his sister Kay, who is JJ's grandmother, that Lori was not the same person that he had married, and that he had found emails where she sent dancing videos of herself to a man named Chad Daybell. Does um, that count as cheating, though? <laughs> well, Kay said to him, quote, if she hasn't had an affair, she's about to. Well, she's dancing on camera for another man. Yeah, but like sexy religious mirror dancing. Do you think it's sexy? <laughs> I think she thought it was. That's why she said it was bad. Um, however, Charles really loved his wife. Uh, Kay said before that she felt like he was blinded by love. Mm. And he wouldn't take any steps to do anything, even though he was frustrated with what was going on. Now, this is one of my favorite things. Kind of like how I really loved when Chad said that his spirit flew out the top of his body, but got hung up by its knees. This, for me, is on the same level as that. Lori told Melanie Gibb that Chad had made a portal in her closet so that they could interact spiritually, and they used this portal to start ridding the world of zombies. Now, zombies... Bailey? Uh, do you think that portal increases her pop- property value? Oh. Yes. Bailey's yeah. asking the important question. She's the reason we can't buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> People are putting portals in their closets. Getting too expensive. Yeah. So when I say zombies, you're not thinking of walking dead zombies. Um, zombies are people who their spirit has died and become trapped. And so they're dark. Their body has actually been taken over by a dark spirit or a demon. Or a zombie. Well, you are a zombie now. Now that a dark Mm -hmm. spirit has taken over your body. Like, you are no longer in there. But you're trapped. You you aren't, like, released to go to the afterlife. You're stuck while your body is being taken over. Like, being possessed. Yeah. Like, supernatural. So, to rid the world of zombies, they would say a special prayer for a particular state, like Wisconsin... And then they would check the portal to see how many zombies had died in Wisconsin. Melanie thought this was pretty extreme, but decided to keep an open mind. Mm. Yeah. November 26th, Preparing the People started a podcast that was called Time to Warrior Up. Now, this isn't super important, except one guy is going to be a player later. So Lori, Melanie Gibb, and a guy named Jason were the ones running the podcast. It was basically to get people... um, not excited, but start getting prepared about the idea of the end times. 
understand that it was going to be difficult. We have a job to do, but you need to start getting ready. Jason, who was co-hosting with them, was a former detective. Okay. Lori starts sending emergency supplies to family, emergency food and medical supplies to prepare for the end times. The thing is, not all of her family wanted them. Like, they weren't all on board with the end time stuff. Alex was all for it. Great. Alex bought into anything, Lori told him. Adam, not interested. He kept telling her to stop sending stuff, and she kept sending it. (laughs) Now, to play devil's advocate, she thought she was helping her family get ready for the end times. And Adam was just like, please stop sending me packages of food. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Melanie actually suggested to Lori, because she saw how close she was getting with Chad, she said, why don't you guys just get divorced from your spouses so you can be together? And Lori said that was forbidden. Um, But Jesus knew what their mission was. And she confided in Melanie that she and Chad had snuck into this temple and sealed themselves. Now, this is actually blasphemous. You could be kicked out of the church for this. So in the temple, there's a sealing room where you could be sealed to a spouse, to family members, to people that you care a lot about. And essentially what it does is if you're sealed to them, you'll also be able to be with them in the afterlife. You're like, it keeps you together even after death. And you aren't supposed to just, I mean, there's a whole ceremony with it. You can't just go seal yourselves together. And they snuck in and did it. So that was a big no-no. And Melanie was really shocked about that. Uh, She and Chad were speaking daily over their burner phones and email. And Chad was turning Lori slowly against Charles. Lori actually had a vision that Charles would die before the end of 2018. And she was very upset when it didn't happen. I don't know if it was a vision or wishful thinking. (laughs) Uh, um, moving into 2019, yes, Drew. Sorry, it just, it sounds like, because when you said that Chad was slowly turning her against Charles, I don't know if she needed that much help. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it took more than a nudge. I don't think it took Probably. anything other than just having him there and being, yeah. like, an option. Or, or just a breath towards her. like Yeah, <sighs> yeah once Chad was in the in the room her fourth husband was no longer that appealing to her i mean i feel like when you're at four husbands something's wrong on your end oh okay i was like i'm waiting in january of 2019 the vallows move into a new house in gilbert arizona and a couple days later chad informs Lori that charles is now a zombie Oh boy. His body has been taken over by a demon named Nick Schneider. Now, sometimes they call the demon Nick Schneider, and sometimes they call him Ned Schneider. I don't know if it's if they were confused, if the demon was confused. I don't know. Mr. Schneider was the demon who took over Charles's body. Um, and Charles also or Chad also gives Lori a list of seven missions that they have to accomplish together as the leaders of the new world. Uh, one, translating ancient records. Two, write a book together. Three, identify locations in northeast Arizona for white camps. I know that doesn't sound good. These are the camps that people, the 144,000 are supposed to go to these camps um, to, like, be together through the end times. And Uh, be white. White camps. Four, establish presidency of the Church of the Firstborn, which is basically what they would be after the world ended and they were starting over. Five, organize food distribution. Six, ordain individuals to translation as the camps begin. And seven, provide supplies to righteous members of families. So they had some big missions to do and also things like writing a book. 
Um, toward the end of January, Chad sent another email with a more detailed breakdown of the spirit rankings in Lori's life um, and people's past lives. Lori has the highest ranking other than Chad's, which was obviously perfect. JJ was also ranked very high. He was a 4.2 light spirit. So he was almost as high as Lori was at this point. We already saw earlier, Tylee was a dark spirit. Charles is now a zombie. So he's full dark, right? Mm -hmm. Um, At this point, Lori is actively recruiting people. I'm going to say into Chad's cult. At no point does he like say, let's start a cult or name their cult or anything. I'm going to call it his doomsday cult because that's exactly what it was. I think um, they don't typically say, hey, you want to join my cult? Yeah, but a lot of times they'll have like, we're like a name for themselves or call themselves an organization or whatever. And they never really do. And I think maybe they would have gotten to that point. I think they surely would have gotten to that point if things hadn't gone off the rails for them. Um, but Lori is recruiting people, her brother, Alex, her niece, Melanie. So it's going to get confusing with two Melanies, and I'm sorry for that. Um, and also a woman they met named Zulema. Um, now her brother, Adam, the DJ, his son, Zach, was living with them to help take care of JJ because JJ was a lot. Zach was uncomfortable around Alex He said he felt that he was mentally off and easily manipulated by anybody, but especially by Lori, who was very manipulative with everybody. Um, Zach was also freaked out by Lori's behavior as she started to get more extreme. One day in the kitchen, she casually told him that she and the devil had a screaming match the previous night. Mm -hmm. She and the devil just screamed at each other. And he was like, I don't know what to do with this information. (laughs) He doesn't scream at the devil every, like... Every so often. Every once in a while. She told her brother Adam that she was becoming immortal. We already saw earlier, she told other women she no longer needed to sleep, remember? She says she no longer needs to eat. She doesn't need to go to the bathroom. And bullets would pass right through her. Nobody did test that theory. Which is a little bit I feel like that would have, like, saved so much time. Yes. And heartache down the road. It, uh... It sounds like she got one of those cheats for Sims. Yeah. Oh, did I kill did I kill Lacey? I was I taking know. a sip when you said that. Sorry. Um all right, so Tuesday, January 29th. I wrote on my notes, here we go. Charles has an overnight business trip to Houston. He left home at 5 a.m. As soon as he left, Lori transferred thirty-five thousand dollars from his business account to a new one that she had set up. When he landed in Houston, she called and told him what she had done. She told him that she was a god and that she was gathering the 144000 for the second coming, which was going to happen in July of 2012. Um, she also said if he interfered with her mission, she would kill him. And then she hung up the phone. He is obviously confused. Mm-hmm. And he called her back and she told him she knew that he was Nick Schneider and that he had killed the real Charles. Now, Charles is absolutely confused about what's going on right now. Um, in the meantime, Lori told her family that Charles had had an affair and that he was going to try to call them and for them to not take his phone calls. So when he tried to call members of her family to be like, hey, what's going on with Lori? Nobody would answer and nobody would listen to him because she had already prepared for that. She also had his truck moved from the airport to a friend's house. She canceled his plane ticket home and had a locksmith change all the locks at the house. She told her nephew, Zach, to pack all of her stuff, all of his stuff, and go to her parents' house. 
told Tylee to pick up JJ from school and take him to a movie. And then Melanie Gibb came over and helped pack all of Charles' stuff into boxes. That night, Lori checked into a hotel with Tylee, JJ, and Bailey, JJ's service dog. Wednesday morning, um, he called a friend and minister named Gabe Bonilla. And then he conference called Lori because he wanted somebody else to hear what Lori was saying, what she was doing right now. And the friend actually thought it was a recording at first because she sounded so unlike the Lori that he knew. When Charles asked her about JJ, you know, is what's going, is JJ okay? Just tell me the kids are okay. She said he could have him because she didn't want him anymore. When he got to the airport. Yeah. So that, that's the first time that we, that it's like recorded that she says she doesn't want JJ anymore, which is a big switch. Because if you remember before, everybody said she was such a crazy devoted mom, uh, especially considering JJ's needs that she was really all about taking care of him. And JJ, JJ wasn't even, like, technically hers. Right. JJ's her adopted son. Like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, when Charles gets to the airport to go home, he discovers his ticket is canceled. He has to buy a new one. Um, and he goes into his business account to do this. And then he's like, oh, she took all my money. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> while he's waiting, he contacts the police back in Gilbert. They send him paperwork to file an emergency mental health petition. When he gets home... Um, his friend Gabe Bonilla picked him up at the airport and drove him home. Lori called and said that she was staying at a hotel with the kids. Wouldn't tell him which one, but she did say that tomorrow she would drop JJ off at school in the morning and Charles could pick him up after school and could have him. And she wanted nothing more to do with Charles or JJ. When he couldn't get into his house, he called the cops who showed up and that you can actually watch the body cam footage there. We've got a lot of video footage of different stuff throughout these events this year. Um, and he's explaining the conversation he had with her and that he's worried he's something's wrong with her. She's acting different and he's worried about the kids. And the police said the police basically didn't think she posed a threat to the children. That she was just that like Charles wasn't giving the whole story. She was just having maybe a little bit of a breakdown. They even said to him, like, quote, so how does she pose a threat to you or your children? Um, and they point out to him that even though she seems cut off from reality, she was still smart enough to do things like empty his business account. So she couldn't have been full crazy. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. Eventually with their help, he's able to break down the door from the garage into the house. The police ask Gabe Bonilla if he had heard Lori threaten to kill Charles on the phone. And this man said, no, she used the word destroy, which is subjective. And I feel like you could have been a little bit more detailed about the information you heard on that phone call. Essentially, the police told Charles, no crime has been committed. We can't do anything for you. So the next morning, Charles is at the school when Lori arrives, but he doesn't confront her. He waits for her to go inside, and then he goes in her car and gets her purse and her phone. He finds a hotel key for the Hyatt Hotel, calls the police and asks them to meet him there, um, explains everything that's going on and they're not helpful there either they say it's not black and white you can watch the body cam footage from this and they're clearly very dismissive of him maybe think that um you kind of get the vibe a little bit that they think maybe he is the one who's a little abusive or controlling and she's trying to get Mm -hmm. out and they're not really sure how to handle that um and charles keeps saying in the video he wants laura to get help he doesn't know what's wrong he uses her phone to text family and friends pretending to be laurie trying to get somebody to respond. And Melanie Gibb thought the text was from Lori, so she goes to her house, realizes it was Charles, 
yells at him about taking her stuff. He won't give it back. So she goes to Jason, the guy who was the co-host of the podcast, who was a former detective, and says, what do we do? And he says, go to the police and report the theft. So a little bit after noon, Lori, Tylee, and Melanie Gibb go to the police department to report the theft. And the police are like, we heard your name because this guy has been calling us about you. What's going on? And you can watch the interview of this. She has them fully wrapped around her finger in this interview. She says she found evidence when Charles left that he had an affair. She called him. They had a fight. She took the kids and went to a hotel, told Charles she was going to get rid of his stuff. She said every once in a while, Charles gets like this and they have to just go to a hotel while he calms down. And the police are absolutely buying it. Um, She's very friendly. She's very cheerful. This Watching this video is what made me, when I first read through the book, I, I kind of thought maybe Lori had schizophrenia or something like that. Um, but when you watch the videos, she's very in control of herself. She's very aware of what she's doing. There's no confusion or craziness there. She looks very normal. Um, it's, it's really eerie kind of watching it, knowing everything that was going on. She said, they asked her if she wanted to press charges against Charles for stealing her purse. And she said, no, she just wanted her stuff back. Um, So Charles somehow found out that Lori was at the police department and he called them at one o'clock. said, I know Lori's there. I have the paperwork to have her held for a mental health evaluation. He wanted to make sure they didn't let her go while he came over with the paperwork. And the operator said, okay, somebody will call you back and hung up and nobody called him back. So he called again, was told the same thing. Nobody called him back, so he's just rushing over to the police station to give the paperwork. Meanwhile, the cops with Lori say, you don't seem like you're a danger to anybody. You don't seem crazy. They told her Charles is on his way with paperwork, and that if he got there before she left, they would have to hold her there. But if she left before Charles arrived, they can't really do anything about it. And they said to her, we don't bust down doors to get you, but we will knock. So if you see police officers knocking... Talk to them through the door if you really don't want to go. Um, so, so I hope that um, one, they these officers feel like shit, and like from what happened, and two, I would like them to get in kind of trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So Lori left the police station, but she actually took herself to Community Bridges, which is the mental health facility that she would have been held at anyway. She willingly took herself and she passed with flying colors. She was held for 24 hours. And that also freaks me out because there's something very obviously wrong with this woman, but she's able to fool like all of these professionals along the way. Well, and that just shows like how like good she is at manipulation just beating the system Mm -hmm. she's a psychopath yeah she's very very aware um, that she's i don't know she freaks me out it's like how uh ted bundy could just turn it off and on yeah Yeah. i um i was showing segue i was showing like co-workers i was talking about her uh this multi-parter um last night at work and i one of the doctors i was working with had like really never heard of her so i was like just google her look at her and there's pictures of her like in a cop car just smiling and like she's very like prim and proper she like she loves the attention like she's not right 
I noticed that you said Google her. You should have told the doctor to listen to the podcast. Um, mm. She actually followed us. Aww. Oh, so. thank you, doctor. Hey, hey, doctor. With so much pressure. So after she was released from Community Bridges, she went to stay with Alex 30 miles away. But first, she gave JJ to Charles. She would not give his medication or his iPad. Oh, no. Hold on a second. I think I forgot to tell you guys something important before. Where's the dog? uh, The dog is left with JJ. Yeah, I I totally forgot to tell you guys that when Charles gave her this updated um, rubric where it said JJ was a 4.2 light spirit, Lori stopped filling his prescription medication that he took for his autism. It was antipsychotic medication. I I forgot to put that in there. So he is off of his meds. Um, I feel like that's not something you stop abruptly, but okay. No. Um, Four days later, Charles files an order of protection against Lori, saying that she was a J... She was a JJ. She was a danger to JJ. Um, her car was in Alex's driveway. She was never served with the paperwork because nobody would come to the door when they went to serve her. Wonder oh, how she wonder. knew not to do that. Yeah. And she actually even stopped going to church so that they couldn't find her there and serve her. Jesus Christ. Um, early Febu- February 8th, Charles files for divorce and custody of JJ. At this point, he had discovered that Lori had transferred 2,000 rental car points out of their joint account and had called JJ's class the day before his school to see if he was in class. And he was, Chad was afraid, <sighs> Charles was afraid that Lori was <laughs> going to come take JJ from school and essentially kidnap him. He also told his divorce attorney if something happened to him, it would be Lori's plan, but be done by Alex's hands. Um, his divorce attorney said, take Lori off of your life insurance because she was still on, and change it to your sister Kay. And so he went online to do that, and he discovered that Lori had changed the password on his life insurance account. He, so he, he wasn't able, able to do that. She should not have been able to get in there. Um, but I, she also was managing the finances for the family. He had her in charge of that. And I think that because he trusted her, she just had all the passwords to everything. Um, he was able to tra- change the life insurance to his sister, change the password and stuff so Lori couldn't get back in. Um, yeah. A couple days later, Lori flies to Kauai with Tylee and asked her friend April Raymond if they could stay with her. Now, April was shocked at the change in Lori, like the emotional and religious change since she'd seen her in July. Um, she thought that maybe Lori was going through some kind of a midlife crisis. She mentions that Colby, her oldest son, and his wife had just had a baby. Um, Lori never liked his wife to begin with, and April thought that maybe them having a baby and making her a grandmother just, like, tipped her over the edge a little bit. Uh, originally, Lori said that she wanted to start a new life in Kauai with Tylee, and when April asked about JJ, she said she was done with JJ. And eventually, Lori revealed that she actually came to collect April as one of the 144,000. She said she was chosen to survive the end times. However, she would have to leave her kids behind. But Lori was pretty sure she would come with her. April declined her offer. Her kids weren't chosen? No, her kids weren't. Only April was. But April said, no, thank you. I'll just stay here with my kids. It's a good Um, choice. Yeah. Charles, meanwhile, is completely distraught. Even though he knew there were signs that Lori had something going on with Chad, he was still pretty blindsided. Mm -hmm. But at this point, is convinced that she was having an affair with Chad. 
he asked Kay to take over his finances, which previously Lori had handled. And Kay discovered that Charles was actually paying bills for Lori's parents and for Alex. Not sneakily either. He knew that his money was going to pay like their mortgage and their utilities and stuff like that. He was just willing to do it. I really think he was a whatever Lori wanted, Lori got kind of thing with Charles. (laughs) She had him wrapped around her finger. Yeah. To a crazy extent. Yeah. Um, He also pulled JJ out of school to homeschool him, partly because he was having a lot of trouble in school and partly because he was afraid still that Lori might come back and take JJ. He was probably having a hard time in school because he wasn't on his meds. That's mm-hmm. what I was going to say. And his routine is disrupted. All of a sudden, mom and sister are gone. Right? And Charles travels a lot for work. So Lori was the one who was home most of the time with JJ doing his daily stuff. So his routine is, like, severely disrupted now. Yeah. However, on March 1st, Charles inexplicably tells his attorney to drop the divorce. Um, no reason given. I'm still mad at him about it. For about six weeks, Lori is back and forth between Kauai and the mainland. She brought Melanie Gibb to meet April, who said that Melanie was subservient. and She described her as a passenger on Lori's bus. And I think a lot of the people in Lori's life could be described that way. Every day that she was gone, Charles texted her a picture of JJ, and she never replied. Alex confronted Charles one day about stealing JJ... And some other crazy things. And at this point, Charles realized that Lori told her family that he had cheated on her and that he had made her give up JJ. So he realizes she's been lying to her family. Um, And he sends her an email about how ridiculous this whole thing is. And he sends JJ to visit Larry and Kay in Louisiana while he prepares to move to Houston to be closer to his own family. So um, then Kay actually came up to help him pack. So the end of March... Charles and Kay were packing up the house, and Lori just walked in the house. She just walked in like she never left. Um, and Kay said she had her phone up. She was recording like she was expecting some drama or something. But Charles just broke down crying. And Lori wanted to know why he was keeping JJ from her. Like, Kay thinks she thought she was going to get something interesting on camera. Like, mm-hmm. trick him into admitting to something he didn't do. Mm-hmm. Like proof um, for but her family. He was just crying. He was just overwhelmed. They went into another room to talk, and when they came out, Lori apologized to Kay. And Charles then offered to fly Louisiana to. No, he's not flying Louisiana. He offered to fly Lori to Louisiana to see JJ, but she had a previous commitment, so she couldn't do that. And Charles just welcomed her back, open arms, back into his life. <sighs> yeah. Uh, first week of April, they all moved to Houston. The move's still on, so they all go together. Um, and Melanie Gibb is surprised about this because she's like, hey, you left him. What's going on? And she told Melanie, God said to get Charles's finances in order. Um, Kay is still overseeing the finances, but he has given Lori access again for some reason. And Lori is transferring money out of their joint accounts. Something to consider. Um for this like cult that Chad is building, he needs a central location. They need to be able to buy land and start building like a base essentially. They need money to be able a to buy that land. Mhm. Um in mid-June, Lori left again. 
Um, she took Tylee and JJ this time and Charles didn't try to fight it, but he wanted to like know where she was and be a little bit more involved. So he actually rented a condo for her and the kids in Chandler, Arizona, um, just so he would like know where they were and have better access to them. He asked her again, if they could just get a divorce and she refused to give him a divorce. She didn't want a fourth one. She had too many divorces under her belt. Can you not divorce someone and they not like not not agree? Like can well, you divorce I, someone and they I mean, not want to You can it? you can file the paperwork, but it's not an official divorce until the other person signs. Oh yeah. so you can just refuse to sign and I mean there's probably legal ways around that. I don't know. I haven't been divorced. Um but he you wasn't given it. the time to find out if he could. Um Chad and Lori are still actively gathering people together for their cult. Um, Clifford Gibb, who is Melanie Gibb's husband, started divorce proceedings against her. She almost immediately got into a relationship with a, another speaker named David Warwick. Um, her, Lori's Melanie niece, Lori's niece, Melanie, is married to a man named Brandon Boudreaux. He files for divorce from her and they get into a pretty tense custody battle for their four kids. Um, and Alex Cox suddenly marries Zulema, the one woman that they had recruited. She teaches Alex all about zombies and tells him the only way to save the person's spirit is to kill the physical body. That is the only way to get rid of the demon and to save the spirit of the person who has been possessed. Um, Lori and other cult members would actually gather at the temple to pray and summon forces against Charles. Um, in June, Lori does some research and learns that if Charles dies, she would receive $4,000 a month in disability payments um, for both of her kids. JJ, I'm assuming because of his autism, and Tylee also had a disability. I know she had a pancreatic condition. Um, I don't know if that's what it was, but she would basically get disability payments for both of the kids, $4,000 a month. Chad, um, not Chad, Charles is talking with Adam about everything that's going on because Adam is the only member of the family who will talk to Charles, who didn't buy Lori's story about Charles cheating on her. Um, Charles found, this is a little bit goofy. So he found an email that was written to Chad but it looked as if it came from Charles's email, as if Charles was the one who wrote it. And it invited Chad to his home to help him write a book. And Charles thinks that Lori sent it so that Charles, Chad could show his wife and be like, hey, I need to go to Arizona to help this guy Charles with his book. So he would have like an excuse to be going to their house in Arizona. Um, Charles eventually asked Adam to help with an intervention on July 11th, he told Adam, if we could record her saying some of her crazy shit, we could get her excommunicated from the church and that might be enough to snap her out of it. So Adam said that he wants to help. He couldn't make it that day, but he was, he was supported him in his plan. Um, and Charles also told Lori, he was going to tell Tammy Daybell about the affair that she was having with Chad. That's not a good idea. Yes. Lori, so Lori gets hit with that, and then Lori's mom tells her about the intervention that Charles is planning, because Adam mentioned it to his mom, and mom, who I'm not a fan of, went and told Lori. Lori called Alex to come out on July 10th and stay over her house and said, it's time to do the Lord's work. Oh my god. So, here's what happens on July 11th. 
Charles arrived at Lori's house at 735. Um, he realized that Alex was there. He saw his vehicle and he texted Adam and Adam said, be careful because he thinks they were up to something. At 749, Lori got into Charles's rental car with the kids, stopped at Burger King for breakfast, took JJ to school, went to Walgreens with Tylee, picked up some flip-flops, headed back home. At 8.32, Alex called 911 to report that he just shot Charles Vallow in self-defense. Dispatch talks him through CPR. Police arrive by 8.40, and Charles is dead when they get there. And at 8.48, Lori arrives home. I'm going to give you three different versions of what happens that day. Alex's story, Lori's story, and Tylee's story. Okay? So, and you can watch again. Yes. Stop messing with your mic. Oh, I bumped it. Sorry. Um, You can watch police body cam of most of this as well. Uh, They mentioned in their report that Alex was very unemotional when giving his statement. He said Charles had come to pick up JJ that morning, had gotten into a confrontation with Lori. Tylee came out of her room with a baseball bat when she heard them fighting, which Charles took away. Alex separated Charles and Lori, at which point Lori left with the kids. So it's just Charles and Alex in the house. Then Charles came at him and hit him in the back of the head with the bat. And there was blood and a small wound on the back of Alex's head. He said he went to his room and got his gun. Went back to the living room. Charles came at him again and he shot him twice. Um, When they go over to talk to Lori, because when she pulled back up at the house, the police were there. She never asked about Charles. Um, She was chatting with them very cheerfully about her day. And then they asked her what she knew about what had happened that morning. Her story was that Charles came to pick up JJ and that Charles had a temper. He would often get angry and didn't care about anything other than JJ, who she referred to as a drug baby when she was talking to the police here. She said she had asked Alex to stay the night because she was worried about Charles coming this morning. He picked up JJ and put him in his car, but then he came back in the house because he realized he'd left his phone inside. But Lori had picked up the phone. And she wanted to see his texts. He refused to show her. She refused to give his phone back. He's following her around screaming. Alex comes in the room, followed by Tylee with a baseball bat. Um, Charles grabs the bat and tries to hit Tylee with it. Alex grabbed him to stop him. And they started hitting Alex with the bat. So Lori tells Tylee, go out to the car where JJ is. I'll be out in a minute. Lori walks into the kitchen. Hears a gunshot. Walks back into the living room and sees Charles on the ground with Alex standing in front of him. She says at this point she panicked, went to the car, and then Burger King, school, and Walgreens. As one does. Yes. Tylee. Flat and unemotional when giving her version of events. She said she woke up and heard the yelling in the living room. She picked up her baseball bat and went to see what was going on. Charles grabbed the bat from her and Alex grappled him to the floor. And her mother told her to go out to the car to JJ. She said eventually Lori came out and they left. Tylee did hear the gunshot, but at the time she didn't realize what it was. She just thought somebody had slammed the bat against the floor really hard. Um, So here's a couple problems, some of which I'm sure you've picked up on. Um, Alex said that everybody had left when he killed Charles. She said she was in the house, heard the shot, and saw Charles dead on the floor. Um... It was also determined later he was shot about 40 minutes before 911 was called. Uh, Physical evidence showed that Alex did not attempt CPR 
makes sense because Charles was dead for 40 minutes. Um, it was also determined that the second time he was shot, he was already on the ground in the car ride home. Cause they did take them to the police station to give like official reports on the car ride home with the police. Lori seemed very celebratory, big smiles, very happy talking about Tylee who had just passed her GED was getting ready to go to college early. Never mentioned Charles. One detective noted in his report that Tylee seemed desperate to please her mother and it seemed like she would do anything or say anything her mom wanted her to do or say. You want me to pause, Drew? No, just keep talking. Okay. Um, despite the problems with their reports or their versions of events, it was apparently enough to convince the detectives because nobody was interviewed further, nobody was arrested. Um, this happened on Tuesday or Thursday that week. The autopsy was on Saturday, and the death was ruled homicide but nothing happened in the case for two years it stayed open but they essentially weren't doing anything with it now yeah this afternoon Lori threw a pool party at her house where her brother had killed her husband that morning she also called her son Colby and told him that Charles had had a heart attack now Colby was shocked Charles was the closest thing he said to a father figure that he had Um, because his father wasn't in his life. You know, she was married to Joe Ryan. He didn't like Joe Ryan. He said that Charles was the one who was most like a father to him. So he was shocked. He was upset. He was also worried about how Tylee and JJ would handle it. So after work, he went over to the house and as soon as he walked in the door, Tylee walked over to him and hugged him and just started sobbing. And then he saw that Alex had his head bandaged and asked what happened and, and asked what happened. And Lori told him, oh, um, Alex killed Charles. Alex shot Charles because Charles attacked him. And he was like, what the fuck? You told me he had a heart attack. Super casual. Yeah. He, that's totally different than what you said. Why would you lie to me? She wouldn't really give him a straight answer. Um, he was really angry. He was really confused when he went home and told his wife, she said she wanted nothing else to do with his family. She already didn't want anything to do with his family because of the way Lori treated her and the way Alex was. But this was her final straw. She was like, that's crazy. I don't want to talk to your mom anymore. Especially (laughs) with like, they had a new baby too. Like, yeah. She's like, we have our own stuff to do and to deal with. (laughs) We don't need to bring that into it. Yeah. This is your crazy family does not need to be active in our lives. Um, three days after this, Alex goes on one of his Columbia trips for five days, leaves the country for a couple days. Um, so the day after, or a couple days after Charles died, Lori texted his sons. Remember, Charles had two sons who were young adults at this time, texted his sons that their dad died. She did not give any details. She was extremely evasive. You can find, I wish I, I meant to screenshot it for you guys again today, um, the conversation, like their actual text conversation, it is so frustrating to read because she's like, Hey boys, really sorry. Your dad passed away. Um, I'll let you know about arrangements. You know, he always loved you and I love you. And they're like, what? And they're calling her and she's not answering and they're texting her. They want details. She won't give them details. Um, after being evasive for a while, she just stops answering completely. I mean, so the boys... they're being annoying. They're probably blowing up her phone. Yeah, she's having a pool party. Oh, no, this was a couple days later. Oh. She might still be having a pool party. She, she oh, has guests to up. attend to. You pulled up the text? Yeah, she goes, Hi, boys. I have very sad news. 
Your dad passed away yesterday. I'm working on making arrangements, and I'll keep you informed with what's going on. I'm still not sure how to handle things. Just want you to know that I love you, and so did your dad. And then somebody said, Lori, what happened? You said it. Uh, but at one point, somebody says, Lori, what the fuck happened? You can't just tell us our dad died and disappeared. You're not too busy to just let us know he died and disappeared. And then sometime later, Lori, it's been three hours. You're not that busy. I don't care what you're doing. And she goes, I'm sorry you are so upset. I'm so upset, too. I'm trying to get JJ ready for bed. I'm waiting to hear back from the medical examiner to make sense out of all of this myself. Please be patient with me. It's a crushing situation all the way around. I'm still trying to processing it, too, and what it means for JJ. It's crazy. Super evasive. After a while, she stops answering completely. It's super all about her, too. Yes, and it's it's weird because it's, like, he, regardless of whether it was self-defense or it was planned, your brother shot your husband in his house this morning, and you're telling people he had a heart attack, he died, but not giving answers. We're going to see she tells a couple people different versions of things. And it's weird because it's like she doesn't understand that people will very easily find out the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not a thing, like, there's nothing to cover up here as far as how he died, like, the police know there's a police report but she's gonna do the same thing in a couple months where it's like she doesn't expect people to ask questions i don't know it's crazy when she won't Hmm. well uh, what i was gonna say is that she's probably been like this level of manipulative throughout her life so she's gotten to the point where she can just like talk her way out of whatever or into whatever she wants it's always working for her yeah, so she probably thinks that she doesn't need to. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's like her ego and her always having gotten away with it. So once she stops texting his sons, like just won't answer anymore, they call Kay, Charles's sister, who hadn't been informed. So she was shocked. And her husband Larry got on Google googled it and read an article about what happened and they immediately knew that this was planned Mm. and that Lori and alex planned to kill charles that was their immediate thought about it it's not a good look that she's lying about it yeah um when adam her brother adam and his son zach heard they also felt strongly that Lori and alex were responsible for this um, they drove to Barry and Janice's house, the grandparents. When they got there, Tylee was crying in the kitchen to Janice, her grandmother. And Zach, she and Zach started to walk toward each other like he wanted to hug her. And Janice took her shoulders and steered her out of the kitchen. And this is the last time that Zach would see his cousin. Um, in the meantime, Cole, one of Charles's sons, still trying to get in contact with Lori, um, Eventually, he kind of gives up trying to get details, and he asks if he and his brother could have Charles's watch collection. He had a pretty extensive collection of very nice watches, and she said, yes, of course, and asked for an address to send them. They only ever got two watches, two cheap Timex watches that were not part of his collection anyway, so they never got his watch collection. Lori mailed his ashes to his family in Louisiana, who had a funeral for him, but she didn't go, and she would not let JJ go. She doesn't do large family gatherings. She has things to do. She had that pool party. She probably has something else to do. Yeah. 
On Monday, July 15th, so less than a week after he dies, she calls the life insurance company and is furious when she finds out that he changed his beneficiary to K. Absolutely furious. Um, and she texted Chad that it happened back in March. And she said, quote, so it was probably Ned before we got rid of him. The name of the demon that they thought was in Charles. That makes and I the think most the, sense. before we got rid of him is also very telling. Yeah. She will still get the $4,000 a month disability payments for the kids. She texted Kay a picture of the beneficiary form and said, five kids and no money and his sister gets everything. And at this point, Lori starts restricting their FaceTime with JJ. They, Kay and Larry would FaceTime with them pretty frequently. She starts cutting them off, and they're worried she's going to cut them off completely. She, Lori also calls Melanie Gibb. I think I just bumped my mic. Lori called mm-hmm. Melanie Gibb and told her that Nick Schneider tried to kill her and that Alex stopped him. Um Her brother, Adam, and his son, Zach, they are afraid for their lives at this point. Lori told everyone that they conspired with Charles and wanted to kill her. Barry and Janice, Adam's parents, kicked them out of their house where they'd been staying. And they were afraid Alex was going to come after them. So they just leave. They just go. They take off for a while because they don't want him to find them. Do you think that Lori's parents were afraid? No. But I do think that they were very big on family image. Um, and don't want, which comes across very clearly in um, the one, the documentary that I watched. And I don't think they wanted anybody, even their own kids, trying to say that any of their other kids are crazy or murderers. And they're like, we're not going to talk about that. Um, a few weeks after Charles died, Lori called JJ's school and said that JJ's father had killed himself. The director was curious enough to Google his name and found out how he actually died. And while it's not enough to like, do anything with as a school director they said that they were very confused why Lori would lie about something like that then Lori puts up JJ's service dog Bailey for sale for $2,500 she is told it's illegal to sell a specially trained service dog so she called dog training elite where they got the dog and asked them to rehome Bailey Um, the trainer who originally introduced them to the dog and got him trained there, called them personally to offer his condolences and to say he thought that JJ would especially need Bailey now that Charles died. And she said, well, he was more Charles's dog anyway. Uh, And had them take the dog. That's not how that works, but okay. Yeah. So now JJ hasn't had his medication for a while and she's taken away his service dog. Really just taking away all of his resources. Yes. Um, July 30th, Chad and Lori text about death percentages for JJ and Tammy and about where they are moving on the light and dark scale. And Chad informs Lori that Tammy is now a zombie as well. She is possessed by a demon named Viola. Oh, boy. Yes. Melanie Gibbs says at this point she is afraid. She is doubting things (laughs) um, that she's being told and that's going on. But she is afraid to express her doubt because she thinks she'll be labeled a zombie. Because that seems to happen to people who are not, who are interfering with Chad and Lori's plan. And she said she kind of tried to point this out to Lori a little bit by asking Lori why so many people around her were turning into zombies. And Lori said it's because Satan was against her. Um, she also, at this point, hears Lori refer to Tylee as a zombie. Um, and one time, 
she and she would say it very casually in conversation and tylee was in a different room in the house and she heard her and she said not me mom like tylee knew all of the crazy beliefs but wasn't necessarily concerned about them um chad also was spending a lot of time encouraging alex telling him that he had been put on earth to protect Lori, and alex starts going to a gun range jesus August 10th is JJ's last FaceTime call to his bio grandparents, to Kay and Larry. It only lasted 35 seconds, and they suspected Lori was holding up something for him to read because he kept looking off camera and saying a couple words and then looking back and looking off, and it seemed very scripted. Um, So as soon as it was over, they sent her an email thanking her for the FaceTime and asking if they could come visit Uh, and she wouldn't reply. They sent more emails. She no longer replied to any of their emails. This time, Lori also arranges for Tylee's social security disability to be posited into Lori's bank account instead of Tylee's, where it was going. August 30th, Lori swings by Colby's workplace. She has JJ and Tylee in the car and said that they are moving. She would not tell him where they were moving. He said Tylee was crying but he kind of thought it was just because so much was happening. Charles had died a month before. Now they were moving. He assumed that Lori wanted a fresh start and he was so tired of her drama that he was just like, okay, bye. Yeah. He was, he was close with Tylee and he also loved JJ a lot, but he was really sick of all of the drama in his mom's life. Yeah. September 1st, Lori moves her family into their new townhouse in Rexburg, Idaho, miles away from where Chad Daybell was living. Um, Alex moved into the same complex, and Melanie Gibb was also in the process of getting a house there. Cult expert Rick Ross said that this is typical cult behavior, getting your members to physically move closer to the cult leader. Chad had told Lori that Tammy would die before Lori came to Rexburg. Lori, Lori, (laughs) Lori did not like that Tammy was still alive when she got there, but Chad assured her that she would die soon. They would meet on the um, the campus in town because nobody there knew Chad's wife. Like, none of them had met Tammy. They knew Chad, but they didn't know his wife and they didn't know Lori. So they could walk around campus together. They could hold hands um, and people there wouldn't know that it wasn't his wife. Lori also restarts stockpiling all of her food, water, and medical supplies here in Rexburg. She enrolls JJ at a new elementary school. She emailed his previous school to say that JJ would not be back anymore. Um, He made friends with a neighbor, and him and this little boy would play outside for hours. The neighbor's mom said that JJ would pretend his backpack was a jetpack and run around. Um, He would ride his scooter all over so that he could be a handful for sure, but he seemed like a very happy kid who just loved to play. Whenever Lori would talk to neighbors and JJ would come up, she referred to him as her niece's drug baby. On Sunday, September 8th, Alex and Lori take Tylee and JJ on a trip to Yellowstone. They take a picture at the entrance to the park. The picture has Tylee, JJ, and Alex in it. I sent that to you guys. This is the last photo taken of Tylee. They leave the park around 6.40 p.m., and this is the last time that anybody sees Tylee alive. Um, A few days later, Chad tells Lori that JJ has now become a zombie as well. On September 19th, Melanie and David come to visit. Melanie Gibb and her new boyfriend David come to visit for several days and says that Lori is obsessed with the idea that JJ is a zombie. Any of his behavior that previously was attributed to the autism is now because he's a zombie. 
she said that she and Chad were also being very openly affectionate, even in public off campus, just in town. On September 22nd, they all went to look at a big plot of land for sale near Chad's home. Chad wanted David to develop the land to be like their home base. This is where they were going to be. That night, they recorded a podcast for a couple hours while Alex watched JJ. Um, in the middle of the recording, he came in for JJ to say goodnight. JJ seemed to be asleep in Alex's arms. Alex took him up to bed, and this is the last time anybody would see JJ alive. Jesus. Where are we on time? Do I need to stop here? Should I? Hour 20. Yeah, Probably let's stop here. Okay. Um, and you guys are going to have to wait till next week to find out what happened. like a few minutes back when you started like talking about like the moving and everything I was starting to get very scared for the kids yeah um and something to something that like blows my mind every time I think about it this is September 2019 Lori and Chad met October of 2018 so this is less than a year that they have known each other that things have escalated so insanely. There were lightning bolts or whatever strikes when they met, yeah. Lucy. And then a then a tornado. That's how tornadoes oh, start. It's the twisted tornado. Yeah. Toxic tornado. Oh. Yeah. The twisted toxic tornado. I should really remember it remember that. Didn't I come up with that? Mm-hmm. I think I forgot to say it at the start of the episode too. That's all toxic right. Toxic tornado. Still Got it in. Well, Hi. that was sinister. And we were sarcastic. And we hope you keep listening. Really sounded so sad. It's a sad <laughs> episode. It's getting yeah. dark. Oh, yeah. It's going to be worse next week. <laughs> Great. Great.